Hello and welcome to another episode of Quilt Buzz, the podcast featuring your favorite folks from across the quiltiverse. I'm Amanda of Broadcloth Studio, and I'm joined by Anna of Wax and Wayne Studio. Hi, everyone. Wendy, the weekend quilter. Hey. And our special guest, Heidi of Heidi Parks. Hello. Now, before we jump into all the quilty, especially hand quilty fun today, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Heidi? I'd love to. My grandmother organized a collaborative quilt for me in the early 80s that still influences my creative aesthetic a lot. And I've been based in Milwaukee for six years. My quilting and mending are all about celebrating the hand and making meaning. And I love to interact with people on Instagram and YouTube. Lately, I've been doing a lot of hand yoga on there. I'm also a certified yoga instructor. And I love to work with hand stitching. So I do a lot of running stitch, whip stitch, ladder stitch, and using repurposed textiles. I love the focus on the hand. I think that's so very different talking about like the actual machine that is the body. Yes, definitely. That's a, a guiding principle for me in my work. It's like a compass that helps me make decisions. Can you see if my hand is in the work? Has that always been a focus for you or has that, you know, your approach to that changed over the years? It has changed over the years. Initially, I hand, sorry, I machine pieced my quilts and then I hand quilted them. And I started to, you know, listen to my body more. My back would ache, my low back specifically, and my ears were like irritated by listening to the sound of the sewing machine. <laughs> and um, and I had previously been a little dismissive of hand piecing because I thought only an expert will be able to look at my quilt and discern if it's been hand pieced or machine pieced. And why would I put that much extra time an energy into hand piecing a quilt if no one can tell I did it. And luckily around that time, I went to South Korea in Seoul and learned the Korean patchwork techniques of Jogakbo and Bojagi. And suddenly it was like this big aha moment that you can see that it was hand pieced. And suddenly then rather than the quilt being all about the juxtaposition of shapes, one shape next to another shape. You could highlight the line or the seam and have even be the same color fabric on both sides, but just a different color thread. So that was a really huge eye-opening moment for me in terms of considering hand piecing. And it got me then later to think about how could I use other stitches besides just the whip stitch because it's so slow. (laughs) (laughs) So, So then I figured out ways to make the running stitch and the ladder stitch a little bit visible as well. And that was kind of came right after this big internal debate that I had about hand quilting because I was realizing that that was my favorite part of the process, obviously, if I was fatigued by the sewing machine. And I was looking at other quilters, in particular, noticing Maura Grace Ambrose of Folk Fibers and Pauline Boyd of Counterpane, who were like 
two quilt heroes of mine at the time. They helped give me the courage to become a quilter. And I saw that sometimes they hired people to do the hand quilting for them, which made a lot of sense. And they told them to quilt along a masking tape as a guide so that it would look uniform as though they had done it or as though it had been done by one hand. And I thought, I'm not doing all this work to be self-employed, to let someone else have all the fun <laughs> hand quilting. And, and so that inspired me to do a lot more improvisational hand quilting. I think it sparked leaving my knots visible on the surface, having more of an intuitive dynamic approach to the quilting where things overlap and get closer and further apart. And, uh, you know, it was in, in the pursuit of not having to outsource the handwork that I love to do. (laughs) (laughs) So before you got into all of that, the hand piecing and the hand quilting, um, who taught you how to quilt? When did you learn how to quilt? Could you tell us that story? Hmm. Yeah, that is, I think for a lot of people, one that is multi-layered. So I partly got into quilting because of the quilt that my grandma organized for me before I was born and grew up looking at that quilt and having, especially once I learned how to read, could read who made which block and suddenly had this awareness that Aunt Lori did cross stitch and that Aunt Becky did trapunto and that Aunt Rosie did like big yarn embroidery and Aunt Sylvia did a patchwork and that like all of the women in my mom's life apparently knew how to sew really well even though I never saw them sewing um my mother sewed our Halloween costumes and sewed a lot of clothes for me growing up and would remark on how in her childhood they were so poor she had to sew her own clothes and so that was part of the history um and just feeling that I inherited from that my mom was never a quilter And I learned how to use a sewing machine in my junior high sewing home economics class. And that became my favorite class. I took more home ec than I took art, which shocked my mom because I'd always been an art person and was always into pottery and painting and drawing. But the sewing machine class really grabbed me. And then in college, I went to study art at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. And in particular, I wanted to be a high school art educator. And I had been working as an assistant to a ceramic artist in high school. And I ultimately did that for seven years total. So I have a lot of deep history of working with my hands in pottery. And most of the time in ceramics class, I was pressing lace into the clay. And then I thought, oh, let me take another class that uses fire and has cool tools that I don't have access to at home. So I took a metalworking class. And in that class, we had an assignment to make an object that was as important on the inside as it was on the outside. And the only thing I could think of to make that fit that was a quilt. So that's the first actual quilt that I ever made was out of sheets of copper that I pressed textiles into in the like roller press. And I mixed in some paper and photographs and fabric scraps and I sewed it together with the metal punch and wire And then I put batting in, like fiber fill batting, and I put a backing that was an old curtain and 
use wire to t- make it a tie quilt. And it was just horrible. My poor fingers were dead at the end. So it was a long time till I made another quilt. Um, but that was the first one. And that's how I initially got into quilting. Uh, but then after that, in terms of teaching myself how to hand piece and how to sew, I took my junior year a textile class called sampling and quilt making. And then I made a bunch of paper quilts and sewed those with thread and paper, which was a little bit better. And then when I was a high school art teacher, we one time made a quilt as a backdrop for a play. So my first fabric quilt that I machine pieced was 50 feet wide by 25 (laughs) feet tall. (laughs) And we never, we never quilted it, but it was the backdrop for the show. And I learned a lot about piecing there. And so then fast forward a lot Uh, That was probably in 2007 or 8 when I made that large quilt, graduated college in 2005. So in 2013, at the age of 30, I finally moved out of my mom's house and stopped paying her rent and had my own place. And my mom had found a quilt top that my grandma had in her like Rubbermaid somewhere that she had bought in an estate sale that was hand-pieced log cabin quilt. And I thought, Finally, after my mom's nudging, like this would be a nice blanket to have at my <laughs> my new my new home, and so I talked a little bit to my friend Kat. Her mom was a quilter, and so basically every time I asked her a question, she was like, "Sure, that's allowed. Sure, if, like of course you can piece a back to this pieced quilt because you don't have a big piece of fabric to use as the quilt back." So I was like sure, I'll piece a quilt to go on the back of this. And then I started quilting and my friend Kat was like, well, we should pin it together first to baste it. So she helped me do that on the floor. And then I was like, well, what are the rules for quilting? She's like, oh, you just combine, you know, connect the two, the three layers together. So I went to Joann's and I bought the hand quilting thread, which is like polyester crap, but I, (laughs) I hand quilted the whole thing while watching the PBS series, Why Quilts Matter. And so I watched that a couple times in a row. And then I watched (laughs) all of Fringe on this really long binge. And by the end of September, 2013, I had figured out how to quilt. Um, I did go on YouTube and search for the quilters knot because I remember having learned that in junior high, but never getting it. I was I was wrapping from the short end instead of wrapping from the long end. So I would make my quilters knot and it would like become nothing every time. So I was like sneaking, making a normal shoelace knot at the end of my thread in junior high. And I thought, (laughs) if I can find this knot on YouTube, I should be good. (laughs) And and so I think that's the majority of how I learned was just trial and error and, and watching why quilts matter. You know, and then the class that I took in Korea on Korean patchwork. And was that, when you were planning that trip, was it for that specific purpose? It was. It was also to visit my favorite roommate from college. And so she had been spurring me and saying like, Heidi, I see on Instagram that you're really into quilts lately. We have a lot of fabric at the Dong Damon market. You should definitely come shop here. And I can also help you figure out how to take a quilting class. We've all had to make some huge changes in our lives due to COVID. How was the adjustment switching from teaching face-to-face to to running workshops and retreats online? Mm. I have to say that I really liked it. At first, it was a big shock. It took a lot of quilting 
to get over not getting to teach in France. I was supposed to teach my first class in, in France in the Bordeaux area in June 2020. So that getting canceled created a lot of grief. I just sew, <laughs> sew my way through it. <laughs> and when I came out the other side, I thought there's a big opportunity here to try to teach online and to comfort people, I think. Even when people see my quilts on the walls in galleries, I think there's an inherent message of comfort. No matter what the quilt is about, no matter how it's pieced, what the meaning is, people also feel comfort because that's what quilts do. And I thought during this pandemic, I have a real gift that I can share with people. And the way that quilting helped me make peace with not getting to teach in France, like maybe it could help other people make peace with other things that they're not getting to do. And so my business was actually did much better um, this past year than it had. I mean, not like by leaps and bounds, but um, it, it really did well. And it was amazing to have that feeling of thriving and also really cool to have a feeling of being a little more independent as a teacher and not needing a venue to have a space to teach someone, but being able to use Zoom as a shared space. And I loved getting to have such an international group in my classes. I would normally teach 10 or 12 people at a time. And many times there, I had people from Sweden, from Mexico City, from Colombia, from Canada, from the UK, Germany. They were just from all over. And it was so cool to have them get to meet each other and intimately know one another as well as get to know me. So both of those aspects were uniquely wonderful, actually, and eye-opening. And I think that they're going to be here to stay even as things open up and we do get to very excitedly go back to teaching in person again. Um, I'm scheduled in 2022 to teach in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and I'm like overjoyed. It feels almost as good as France. <laughs> <laughs> Your softball um, initiative with Zach Foster and Luke Haynes, was that something that came out of the pandemic or was that something that you guys were working on before? It very much came out of the pandemic and it was very... Um, you're shooting from the hip, an off-the-cuff thing that happened and then became more. Uh, me me and Zach, I think, are pretty public about being friends online. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> what? You have a friend named Zach? <laughs> who who and, is he? Yeah, who Weren't is you, he? You were visiting him in New York, I think? Yes. I, yes. Was, <laughs> I was technically there for my stepbrother Paul's wedding, and so we did do that. <laughs> but, yeah, we extended our trip a lot so I could stay with Zach for a while. Um so yeah, my friend Zach and I are public about our friendship online, and we had had a like front porch sitting and chatting kind of a conversation, I think, where we were just both sewing and talking on a live. And I think Luke saw that in another post where Zach had been talking about the idea of soft bulk and how cool it is that quilts are 3D soft objects and not just flat. And he said, I'd really like to talk to you two about this idea. I think it's awesome. I've been talking about quilts as sculpture for a long time. And the way you guys are talking about it is exciting to me. And Luke and I had collaborated on a quilt before. So we had made something together previously as well. And he said, it was a Monday. It's like, let's do a public Zoom on Friday and just talk about it. And, you know, <laughs> and we're like, okay, that Luke's kind of a loose cannon, isn't he? <laughs> You're really going to do this? And we somehow 
pulled it together. We didn't rehearse. We didn't meet in advance, but we all said, make a little slideshow and talk about it. And real curious to hear what each other has to say. And we had a wonderful turnout and we thought that wasn't too hard. Let's do it again. And 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 when we were thinking about doing it again, then we had a little bit more of a conversation. And I I think it was me especially who pushed and said, like, wouldn't it be pretty if there were four of us on the Zoom screen instead of three? <laughs> and that it would be great to have a guest each time when we talk about things to just further the conversation and have more voices so it doesn't feel too stagnant being just the three of us. And we we have a very, very, very long shared Google Doc of all the things we'd like to talk about and all the people we'd like to talk to and you know, the people that were kind of starry-eyed about and also the people that we think like more people need to see who what this person's doing. And um, so we've been highlighting people in our thank you letters as well. So each time we we share out and we say, you know, another person who you could look at who's working the same way is this person. And yeah, there's there's just so much that's been exciting about the soft bulk idea. But it was it, it just kind of happened. And I think I think that's a really good way for us to go from. It's just a genuine friendship. We didn't choose a strategic yeah. pairing of people. <laughs> it was like we're friends. We know each other. For me, it's also kind of nice that all three of us are childless quilters there it's such a common story in the quilt world that like you got pregnant and then you made your first quilt yeah. and <laughs> when I go through quilt con for example where I teach with the MQG and read people's art their their professional bio like half of them talk about their reproductive history which is like yes. beautiful and authentic to them but to those of us who like that had that life didn't work out that way it can feel strange and so it feels nice to me to have like a space, a corner where it's not about being a parent. And um, I don't think that that is meant to leave parents feeling left out. We did a talk. Our second talk was about time management. And a lot of people were like, why didn't you talk about parenting? We have no clue. <laughs> and I'm an aunt and I know enough to know from watching my brother that I, I have no clue what that's like. Um, but I do think that that's another kind of nice shared flavor that's different from some of the other quilt content that's out there. On the topic of softball, one of the um, topics that you've been talked that you have talked about um, has was sustainable sewing and sewing with repurposed materials. Do you have any tips or tricks for people who are wanting to be more mindful of their waste reduction while they're sewing? Yeah, I keep a ball jar near me where I put the teeny tiny scraps in. When I was a student at the Art Institute of Chicago, my professors in ceramics and fiber art and drawing, they would all say to painting, they'd all say like, what's happening over here? And I don't think they were told by the administration to do that. But I think it's just like, if you're showing up curious and ready to make things, it's can be fascinating to you to see like, what do I do on my paint palette? And I think especially as a teacher, when you get to walk around the room and you notice everyone manages their paint palette in a different way, like they all organize it different. And even though I taught them <laughs> the way that I organize it. <laughs> and, and so 
to me, watching my thread scraps in a ball jar is a really good way to spark that consciousness of what am I doing when I'm unconscious. And then I like to use those scraps. I can just toss them like snow or like confetti and then lay either a transparent layer of silk or cotton voile or a polyester curtain and that will hold everything in place and I think it looks really beautiful and interesting. I also use those scraps as stuffing for trapunto, which I think is real fun. It's definitely something that I was inspired by that childhood quilt of mine. There's a lot of trapunto in there. <laughs> and so, you know, you don't have to use a cotton ball or quilt bat or just the scraps of quilt batting. It's great to be able to cut up those teensy. I'm always trying to think, what can I do with these scraps of quilt batting also? Yeah. So, um, you know, using those for trapunto is great. Lately, I've been making little uh, vases where I use a glass bottle that would have gone in the recycling and then I wrap it with batting to give it a cool silhouette and then I use my small scraps of fabric to make a patchwork around that and I'll be teaching a class on that this winter with the makery I think but um, it's just such a cool way to get rid of those scraps and it's like I like that particular project because it gets rid of a kitchen scrap and <laughs> and a fabric scrap and a um, batting scrap. So those are two things that I really like to do that I think are helpful. So we've done a little bit of stalking on your um, Instagram page as we would normally do as with we our do. guests. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we noticed that you have another Instagram account called hand yoga club the name the handle pretty much says it all it's uh, yoga for your hands could mm -hmm. you tell us why should we be practicing hand yoga and what is your favorite hand yoga pose yeah for hand yoga I came to it because my hands were starting to hurt when I was quilting and especially already being a certified yoga teacher and yoga therapist I thought this is a problem that my hands are hurting me. And my first move was to wrap one of my hands in a Band-Aid whenever I was quilting back in 2014. And then when I went to Seoul and was shopping there, they had all these wonderful rubber gripper thimbles. And I started using the one that I got there. And then I like, literally at QuiltCon pestered the clover ladies like why does clover japan get these and we don't and so now now we get them and i would like to think that that's all my doing so <laughs> uh, that like using smart tools for my hands is definitely made a difference but i still ended up in occupational therapy in 2018 because i had been using a metal thimble now i use the clover protecting grip and it is much gentler. It's a silicon instead of being all metal. But I went because I had some nerve damage in my right ring finger, which is my thimble finger. And then while I was there, I was like, oh, and also my left hand is a little sticky sometimes. And also my elbow hurts a little bit sometimes. <laughs> and like, what can we do about this? <laughs> and, and so working with my occupational therapist and certainly even just having a space of talking about hands and suggesting like, if you have pain, go see a professional. Um, it's a big part of the message in Hand Yoga Club. But 
there were a lot of things that she wanted me to do as homework. And it can be hard to remember and engage in that homework. And I know for me, yoga and matching movement with my breath and thinking about that movement thoughtfully makes it more engaging. It makes it feel less like exercise, less like OT homework, and more like something that I want to do because doing it feels valuable. So for me, it's, uh, hand yoga is a nice way of formatting hand care to be more palatable, <laughs> to be something that is fun to do. And then to also brainstorm ways to, in yoga, we talk a lot about taking our yoga practice off the mat. So we're not necessarily on a mat for hand yoga, but taking it outside of that yoga space and into our everyday space. And cultivating a habit in a hand yoga class of pausing to notice how your hands feel after doing a particular mo movement can then translate into, I've been quilting for three hours. What do my hands feel like? Let me pause and close my eyes and check in for a moment. And um, the hand yoga is for me a combination of what I learned from my body as a quilter from my occupational therapist mixed with my knowledge as a yoga therapist and the different movements that I do there, as well as um, maybe just some anecdotal and things that I've discovered as I've been working on things as well. So I think that a couple really good things to do, number one would be just tapping your thumb to all your fingers. You can do that you know, with both hands at the same time, or you can do it one-handed. But it's a gentle movement of bringing your fingers to your thumb slowly and gently. And that is a good antidote to the intense gripping and pulling and pushing that we do. Um, I learned a lot that the idea of motion is lotion. So moving your hands is really helpful in a gentle, non-pressure way. And then another movement that I love is to massage the palm of my hand. I like to use my elbow. So I'll just set up my elbow maybe rest my hand on a pillow or a quilt, and then in my lap, press my elbow into my opposite palm. And I can use that as a pressure massage. And so it doesn't fatigue my thumb, which is already tired, uh, but it's able to use my elbow to create a nice, maybe counterclockwise circle first and then clockwise circle second, or to even create a grid along your palm of applying pressure. And when you notice it's tender, then you hold or pulse until that eases up and relaxes. And those, I think, are two of my favorites for a hand yoga practice and a self-massage practice. Uh, so do you have any quilting goals for this year? Yeah, I have a lot of quilting goals for this year. I want to get a lot more of my whips taken care of. <laughs> uh, I used to be a monotasker and I haven't been because I've been making a lot of special quilts for different occasions and exhibitions and classes and I'd like to pare that down a little bit. I'm also really excited about this 3D thing and I'm excited about making works that are smaller. It's I love working big so five feet by five feet is a normal quilt for me and then I find it like, exciting to sometimes do seven by seven and um I think that my work could be more accessible for people and it could be the kind of creative challenge that pushes me in a good, to a good place to work a little bit smaller. So like four feet by three feet or 
two feet by two feet <laughs> seems like like something that I think would be a good creative challenge and something that might be more accessible. I know even in my house, there aren't many places where I could hang a five foot by five foot quilt on the wall. So just thinking about um, making my quilts something that that people could live with and engage with seems really interesting as a goal for this year. So on that note, it is time to move on to our rapid fire quilty questions. Are you ready, Heidi? I am. Anna, why don't you kick us off? All right. What is your favorite time of day to quilt? I like to quilt all day. And if I can't quilt all day, it's a problem. So I'll spend like four days on the computer doing crap so that then I can have two straight days of quilting. And that's my favorite. And where do you sew? I sew in my living room, which is like more studio than living room. Do you wear shoes while sewing or slippers or socks? <laughs> I usually quilt sitting cross-legged. So sometimes socks, a lot of times barefoot. <laughs> Uh, music, Netflix, podcasts, or silence while sewing? Netflix or a YouTube marathon. And what is your current favorite? Um, I watched, this is just in the last couple months, I watched Outlander and then Rain, and now I'm watching Victoria. And do you have a favorite snack while quilting? Either wine or a nerd's rope. <laughs> Nerds. Oh my gosh. I forgot about those. <laughs> I love nerds. <laughs> What's your favorite traditional block? Courthouse steps. What's your favorite color? In real life, my favorite color is chartreuse, but that's almost never in my quilts. So I think my quilt favorite color is ochre yellow. That shows up a lot. What is your favorite brand of solids? <sighs> I couldn't say, but I... Um, I frequently buy the unbleached cotton muslin from Joann's in the 120 inch. And that's like the most solid thing that I buy new. <laughs> <laughs> Solids or print fabrics? I like both a lot, but it has to be an obscure pattern. I cannot use the popular thing from cotton and steel, for example. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a favorite fabric designer? Um, probably the folks who designed flower sack fabric back in the 30s. Okay. I don't know their name, but I like that <laughs> stuff. <laughs> uh, what's the last fabric you bought? Um, I bought three giant bags of fabric at the rummage at the Wisconsin Museum of Quilts and Fiber Art, and I paid $40. Nice. There were two quilts in those bags as well no as way. a bunch of fabric, and that's my favorite stop, place to shop every year. <laughs> uh, how do you organize your fabrics? I tend to organize it autobiographically. So it's organized by source. There's an area of quilt fabric from my grandma, from my trip to Korea, from my trip to India, from the quilt museum. There's an area of fabric from Joanne Fabrics. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's kind of how I have it sorted. What is a one sewing notion you couldn't live without? My Clover Protect and Grip thimble size medium. Do you have a favorite ruler size? Six by 24. What thread brand do you use? DMC Pearl Cotton size 8. Pressing preference? To the side. Favorite quilting technique? Visible hand piecing. Machine or hand bind? Hand. Do you spray, pin, or thread based? A safety pin based. Okay, so do you pre-wash? Only if it's from the rummage or looks like <laughs> a little dirty or nefarious in some way. <laughs> <laughs> nefarious fabric. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what is your favorite part of the quilting process? The hand quilting. And what's your least favorite part of the quilting process? 
Editing the fancy photos for Instagram. What's one bad quilting habit you wish you could give up? Uh, putting other work priorities before making quilts. Who is your quilty BFF? You guys know it's Zach Foster. <laughs> <laughs> and who's your quilty crush? That would have to be Harriet Powers. I'm not religious, but her Bible quilt is just amazing and has so inspired me with the freeform applique and the storytelling that she did in it. What's your favorite recent make? The quilt that I made for the Art Servancy Residency. Uh, how many quilts are in your whip pile? I had to count for you guys. I have five. And where do you store your whips? I upgraded about a year ago and I have some baskets that I keep them in. So the baskets are on the floor instead of leaving the quilts on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and do you have any other interests or hobbies? Yeah. Last night I was at a Bucks game for Milwaukee basketball. But yeah, my sweetheart Bo has gotten me into basketball. I never thought that I would know so much about Giannis Antetokounmpo, <laughs> but I do. <laughs> um, I'm also really into cooking and plant medicine, yoga, obviously. Mending clothing is another big passion of mine. I ferment my own mead, making furniture, pottery, drawing, and reading audiobooks. I feel like Instagram is a hobby too. Like I genuinely love being there as well as appreciating it very deeply for helping me have a career. So we've got just a couple more questions for you. Mm -hmm. And first up is who are three accounts you think everyone should be following and why? Well, there's a new account out called G's Bend Quilt Makers. They haven't posted a lot, but I think it's going to be a really exciting place and nice to be in there on the ground level. Also, my good friend Laura Hartrick has an Instagram feed called Quilt Stories, and she posts a lot of wonderful stories from the quilt community. And you can easily write her and have your quilt featured in Quilt Stories. And to me, it's a wonderful space that represents the community that I love of quilters on Instagram. And then the last one is also kind of freshly discovered by me. It's called The Great Women Artists, and their Instagram feed is so beautiful. I discovered it because I was in New York, and I saw the Julie Mertu exhibition at the Whitney, and she has really inspired my quilts a lot. She's a painter, but she uses a lot of transparent layers, and she got me thinking about using transparency. And they have a podcast interview with her, and then I saw their feed, and it's like, yeah, either. And, and they featured people like Faith Ringgold and other like quilt artists and textile artists, which makes me really happy that they're all in that mix together. Um, so before we sign off, do you have any fun projects on the horizon that you can share with us? I am hoping to be launching some pre-recorded offerings on my website soon. Like a lot of them are already recorded and I just need to figure out how to <laughs> how to upload them, how to do that. But I think it'll be exciting to have some things that are more accessible price point and pre-recorded. I'm also going to be doing some virtual classes with the Makery and Tatter Blue Library. Mm -hmm. And I am still really excited about sharing free content on YouTube. So there's a lot of stuff there for hand yoga and quilting and soft bulk. And um, signing up for my email newsletter is a good way to stay on top of all that stuff. On that note, we need to wrap today up and we hope that you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to contact any of us, we can most easily be found on our Instagram accounts. I'm at Broadcast Studio, Wendy. I am the.weekendquilter. 
Anna. I'm at Wax and Wayne Studio. And Heidi. I am at Heidi.Parks. Parks has an E after the K. And also I'm Hand Yoga Club. Or you can go to our podcast account at quilt.buzz or our website, quiltbuzzpodcast.com for our previous episodes and updates on upcoming guests. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we hope that you subscribe to the show and tell your quilty friends about us too. And if you have a moment to share what you love by writing a review on your podcast provider of choice, it would make our day. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. 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 Bye.